Hi, um, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the long weekend if you're here in the UK and you enjoyed the sunshine and the good weather. Um, so last week we had Asha Gold, um, had a really interesting chat with Asha, and this week we've got Katie Sky. Um, I've had a lot of writing ses sessions with Katie, some, some for me, some for her artist projects, some for pitch. And we've we've also written kind of in in rooms of threes and fours for for other people. We actually we co-wrote a track with Raffi R A P H I, which just just came out called When We Gonna. So you can go check that out. I produced that and co-wrote it with Katie and Raffi. Um, and yeah, we've 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 worked together on a couple on a couple of occasions, and she's really great. She's been writing for a long time, and she I feel like she has. A lot of a lot of interesting insight if you're if you're starting out or if you find yourself midway through your songwriting journey and and you want you want to hear a story of of how someone's kind of persevered through through various levels of success in in a, a career as a as a commercial artist but also as a songwriter. This week is actually um, a fairly big one for both me and Katie. Katie has a single coming out on Friday called Cracks. Um, which I I co-wrote with her, um, co-produced. I did the original production. Then it then it went to uh, her boyfriend Robbie, who who um, turned it into what it is now. Um, and I've got a, a single coming out on Friday called Fillmore. So we've got we've both got singles coming out. Um, we're both in in release schedules and thinking like artists uh, when when we're used to thinking as songwriters. And if you enjoy this one, guys, uh, follow. Follow us, follow us on Spotify. Um, give us a, a a nice little review on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us at Songmakers Pod on Twitter. You can find us, well, you can find me on Instagram at LexLowFM. Um, yeah, enjoy this one. Hey, ah, yeah, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Good. I Good. feel like lockdown could be over now. That's that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So I'm slowly drawing to a kind of a, a crawl. <laughs> yeah, know. I think most people are. Day Ten to day, in. it's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, crazy. Where are you? I'm in Bristol at the moment. Yeah, central Bristol. How is it? Yeah, it's good. Apparently, yeah, we we down in the southwest are sticking to the rules quite a lot, which is yeah. good because we've had like a... Uh, we've definitely flattened the curve around this area, which is cool to know. But definitely, I can see some house parties going on. Really? That is, yeah, I definitely I can see them. But yeah, I'm not involved. I promise. <laughs> You're being sensible. <laughs> I am being sensible. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, so first question is: Tell us a secret that listeners might not find out otherwise if they weren't listening. Oh, a secret. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wait, let me just think of something good. <laughs> it doesn't have to be juicy. No, I know, but I want it to be. Okay, so uh, in the last episode, um, Asha's secret was that she, I think, played the mugs once in orchestra. And the then mugs, her, that's amazing. And then I, I think her, her second secret was that she has a parrot. She has a parrot in her house. But that's really cool, though. Yeah. That's um, 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 let me think, let me think. You have no wild wild animals? I don't have any wild animals, no. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. Uh, something that some people may not know about me is I've had a long history with various dentists, and I've had 11 teeth taken out by the dentist over over the last few years 11 that's pretty crazy actually as, a, as an adult uh teenager yeah yeah 11 teeth full 11 full teeth that's crazy <laughs> did they oh. replace them with new teeth with gold like, teeth weirdly when I was growing up and I had an x-ray I had like the baby teeth which will fall out and then the adult teeth and then I had like a whole row oh, of like, teeth. yeah, I was a triple teeter. <laughs> what even is that? Um, but yeah, so they had to take out a lot of teeth to let these beauties grow back in. That's but so I'm mental. still, I'm still getting work done constantly. <laughs> That's a good one. The 
triple teeth. Triple teeth. I wasn't expecting that. Triple teeth sky. That's what they call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> K teeth sky. Oh, that's what he did it. Me. He said it. <laughs> um. So, so tell us a bit about how you how you got into music when you were younger. You know what was your what was your entry into being first a music lover. Oh, from a very young age, my whole family has been very musical. Uh, me and my sisters, <laughs> I often tell this story because it really is how I learned to sing, definitely. Um, our chore in the house was washing up. So we had to wash up every day. Like at the end of the meal, it was just normal. You just got up and you had to wash up. I'm uh, the youngest of three. And my two big sisters and me, we used to um, sing like three-part harmonies to make the washing up go quicker. And we used to do anything from, there was a girl band called Cleopatra back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And then also like Hanson. We've got a, okay, a tape yeah. recording of me when I'm like seven or eight, like singing Hanson and it's bad. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's good for a seven year old, I guess, but it's just funny. What Hanson tracks were the... Were the the mm-bop one, obviously, oh, yeah, obviously. obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, so I guess I started singing and being musical at a very early age and was encouraged to do the classic like school plays and various things yeah. and then I started writing songs on like a crappy Yamaha with the like demo buttons when I was about 12 and I used to just write kind of jingles which my yeah. family would come and take the mick out of me for <laughs> I used to had this one called silly little daydream that everyone even to this day takes the mick out of me for how, do, how does it go no <laughs> No, actually, I tell you what, you can, if you have a recording of it, you can send it to me and I'll insert it. Oh, gosh, maybe. I'll insert it into it. I'll try, maybe, if I'm feeling generous. But yeah, (laughs) so I think I, I, yeah, I listened to pop music for the whole of my life, which has definitely influenced the way that I write. And yeah, love a good catchy melody. And I think that's just from growing up on like proper pop, you know. Yeah, what, what, what were those? What were those inspirations? Can you remember specifically artists that you from back in the day? Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're thinking like early, early, it would be like anything from Kareem Bailey Ray. I listened to a lot of her mm-hmm. and uh, Alicia Keys, Destiny's Child. If you're going kind of R and B vibes, Aaliyah, uh, yeah, lo- loads of stuff. But ma- mainly pop, like all pop, Usher. Yeah, mainly like R&B mm. slash pop. Yeah, I would say. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Bristol? No, I grew up in uh, Felixstowe. Oh, I spent the first like five years of my life in Manchester. <laughs> I've got a slight, slight accent left, but not very much at all. Most of my family are uh, from up north. And then I lived in Suffolk for the rest of my life and then moved to Bristol about 12, 13 years ago. And I can't see myself moving now. Bristol's flipping amazing. So it was, like a, it was like a countryside yeah, vibe. well, it was yeah, yeah, it was like seaside. It was a little seaside yeah. place. How little. did how how do you feel like those surroundings affected you when you were growing up? Do you feel like it fed into your? I mean, creating. I think in any place for kids, there's always like after school clubs. Yeah. There's always yeah theatrical companies. There's always stuff like that going on. So I think no matter where you are, whether it's like a a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere or whether it's like a a proper city then you'll find it if you want to do that when you're a kid you'll bug your parents until you until they let you uh explore that kind of uh yearning but yeah uh I would say definitely because I grew up next to the beach we had long summers like just playing and being very whimsical <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I was allowed to be quite free and like parents always encouraged me to uh, pursue what I wanted to pursue and music was something that I wanted to pursue very very early on yeah what what took you to Bristol originally I moved over here yeah when I was 17 18 to become part of a music charity in Thornbury just down the road um and that's where yeah I kind of had like some vocal lessons I was encouraged to songwrite um yeah and it was really good. It was the first time I properly thought, I think I could do this as like a job. I think it's when it kind of leaves that pipe dream 
mentality and becomes like, no, I, I think I could actually try and pursue this. And that was probably when it happened. So I moved to Bristol for music. And uh, yeah, following that, I uh, I was in a pop electro band. <laughs> oh gosh, but it was great. And I, I still didn't you, really... What were you called? We, <laughs> it's so bad. No, because if I tell you, you're going to Google it. <laughs> and I, I don't think I can handle that. But oh, do it, it's fine. It's called on-off switch because clearly, switch, yeah. yeah, because clearly we were the coolest. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah, it was so bad. What was your what what kind of music were you making back then? So yeah, it was electro pop rock. So it was like dirty bass lines, synth heavy. Even when we performed it live, you'd be like moshing, but it would be kind of dubstep <laughs> and like but but with like pop hooks over the top. And I was still trying to get to know my voice at the time, to be honest, because I yeah. still didn't really know what I wanted to sound like. But I kind of joined the band and did what they were kind of already trying to achieve and did the classic like gigging every week for the whole year um and yeah it taught me a lot it taught me a lot about what I wanted to sound like and what I was good at and what I was not good at <laughs> as well what what, yeah. what were what were the, some of those things that you encountered that you realized you weren't good at <laughs> I just think I'm not good at being anything that I'm not I think sometimes, even now, to be completely transparent, I worry that I'm not like tweeting enough or being funny enough. And I sit there with my Twitter and I think, write something funny. And I'm just yeah. not that funny. I'm not funny. You just can't, you just can't be something that you're not. I think when I am just completely who I am, and I'm very loud and very chatty and I'm in people's faces and I sing well and I I'm just who I am, I think that goes down better than me trying to be something that I'm not so I, I would yeah. say I need to start taking that seriously that was a little lesson to myself that I'm saying to myself again to remind myself yeah did, did you feel like your trajectory was always going to eventually lead to making basically pop music yeah. yeah yeah I think so like I mean like I've said before everything that I listened to when I was growing up it just all influences the way I write now and the way I write now. I just a sucker for a good, a good hook. A good hook. Yeah, yeah, like a really good, strong song concept that yeah. ties in with the title of the song, that ties in with the hook. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it and it being melodic and you can remember it after one after and I'm not and I'm not striving for that. Like that's genuinely what comes out first. I tend to write songs backwards, as you know. Yeah. I usually come up with like the the hook first and then write backwards if anything and flesh out the song from the hook. But yeah, I think I think it was always going to be that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you did you develop a a writing process on your own or did you develop it through writing with other people at the beginning? I think at the beginning it was on my own I had a lot of people around me at the time um especially yeah so after their band when I started doing my solo stuff uh that was when I was properly encouraged to kind of lock my myself away in a a recording room uh try and learn the piano a little bit <laughs> can't claim to know the piano at all anymore but you know what i mean and and just and just sit there with lyrics and song ideas and melodies and i, I think at first yeah i had a lot of people around me like i had a manager at the time and like a new label as well when i started the the case guys solo stuff and yeah I had a lot of people like leaning on me for for new music and for content, and so yeah, I think at the time I was very much encouraged to kind of find it within myself and then take my song ideas to other people, like producers, to flesh them out. Whereas now I would say it's very very collaborational, and yeah. I do writing sessions all the live long day, like every yeah. week. 
So yeah. Yeah. Have 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 you? Uh, has that part of your life moved as you've got older? Have you changed the way that you approach writing with other people in sessions and who you write with? And yeah, I think I think for? as a as a younger artist, for some reason you get quite fierce about your sound, mm-hmm. and you get quite protective. And I think when lots of people are like trying to give you advice and you've got a label asking for this that and the other I think yeah you can be very 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 protective over your sound and like not wanting to give in to anyone what anyone else thinks you should be doing which is a good thing it's a good thing like yeah to kind of know what you want to be and know what you want to sound like but I guess over the years and as I've got older I can appreciate the fact that the only way you're going to get better as a songwriter is to collaborate with other people and pick up new flavors and evolve as a writer and listen to new music and see what's what's coming out now like what what are people creating you know and I think without collaboration that kind of stretching as a writer and me feeling challenged that wouldn't happen if I didn't surround myself with other creative people if I was just sat there in my own bedroom with my own laptop I'm sure it would be fine and and something would come out <laughs> but I think it's for me now I I really enjoy collaboration I I find such such value to it massive and obviously I'm a massive people person so it helps as well mm. that I I'm a big extrovert and I love just chatting and experiencing other things with people and c- incorporating that into songs basically how, do you remember how you took early instances of writing sessions not going very well <laughs> yes we have all of it there yeah Yeah. definitely happens less now that I have done it a lot because I think you can spot the signs quite quickly and kind of know what to do half of the time I believe that being in a room with other people writing is more about anthropology than anything it's more about like reading the room and figuring out who's like how people think and like what they yeah. feel without them actually saying it it's quite weird um yeah I mean it's yeah. very per- very personal experience isn't it very personal exactly yeah but the few the few bad sessions I've had in the past <laughs> how do I overcome them I would say in the moment you can maybe be left feeling quite down mm. and quite kind of like doubting your skills or what you have to bring to the table or maybe even think, yeah, that it was something to do with you and your skills or the way you were in the session as to why it didn't go very well. But I think also, like, it's crazy to expect you to get on with everyone in the world. Like, that's a crazy expectation. And also, your writing styles, like, there are thousands of different writing Mm. styles with thousands of different genres and sub-genres and everything, like if you guys are clashing on something that's okay yeah that's all right I think it it, I think uh writers and producers often have an expectation of themselves that that they have to if they go into a room to create a song and they don't come out of the room with a song oh yeah then they failed absolutely And, and the the reality of it is is that the the process doesn't always allow you to come out of the room with a song. And because that's it doesn't, fine. It doesn't allow for human, <laughs> humanness. Yeah. Like, what if you're having an off day that day? What if you've got a lot on your mind? What if yeah. you can't can't relate to what the art, if you're writing for another artist, what if you can't relate to what they're going through? Like, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? There's so many, there's so many variances, variables, sorry. Yeah, um, there are. So, yeah. And I- I think it can be really difficult, especially early on, to to understand that you're not that that you don't always have to be constantly giving ideas in the room. Yeah, honestly, and that's what I mean by like reading the room. Like some rooms, I'll go in and I can tell straight away if I'm writing for an artist, she's quite shy. She's very young she's 16 17 maybe and she doesn't quite know what she wants to sound like yet and the producer's being quite bossy or being quite like he thinks he knows or she thinks she knows what they want to sound like 
And I'm almost like the mediator in that sense. I go into kind of like mediator mode and I'm like communicating in between the two. And because my role changes depending on who else is in the room with me. Do you know what I mean? If the yeah, producer is, is is predominantly a, a producer and not a a top liner or a songwriter per se, then my job in that room would be to write the top line and let the producer do whatever they yeah. want with the track. Do you know what I mean? So I think your role just changes. Yeah. Is it when you're in a room, mm. do you feel like you are um a, a songwriter or do you feel like you're an artist who enters the room as a songwriter again it depends what room I'm walking into definitely yeah. um for all the sessions that I kind of set up for myself yeah I will have probably beforehand like understand I quite like to know what the situation you're walking into is so like if if I've set it up for myself, okay, I know I'm walking into a studio where this girl wants to write something for her next project. So mm. it's very clear right from the beginning, we're writing for her. Um, or sometimes if it's, I do quite a lot of writing camps and that's a completely different kettle of fish then because yeah, yeah I could walk into a room and be, and actually be expected to not be expected to, but it's expected that I am the artist in a room and we're writing for me. So mm. I think it, it it really does depend on what the session is, who I'm doing the session with. But mostly I'm a, I'm I'm pretty flexible to be honest. Like I'm up for anything. And I think, yeah, I, I've never been too like attached to any song really like if someone else wants it or if I want it I'm always writing from past experience whether someone else takes it or I do like it's still writing for me no matter what so I would say both maybe and 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 when you're just in your downtime when you're just just on your own do you think of yourself primarily as a songwriter or an artist that's hard I think maybe... I mean, you're I, in a release cycle now. I so. mean, yeah. Ex- I was yeah. literally just going to say, I'm in a uh, current release cycle. So right now I'm like, yeah, my face is everywhere. <laughs> and I have content out and people are going to hear new music, blah, blah, blah. And I'm getting the next few singles ready after this. So I feel like in my downtime, in my time to myself, walk around my house, I guess my job is an artist, but I yeah. also have three top lines to finish this week for various DJs in the US. So that is my writing side. So I don't think I can ever switch one of them off. <laughs> I think it's just all encompassing creative being <laughs> without sounding too big headed. <laughs> Hello, friend. I think it's difficult when you're when you're a songwriter with an artist project that maybe doesn't always get all of your attention um because the fact that you keep going back to it means that there's something there that you want to explore but I think we're probably both in the same boat where the best part say, of, yeah. the best part of the process is the, the writing the song yeah and then everything else feels secondary to that feeling yeah um and then obviously you have artists who who really find themselves when they're on tour or who really enjoy the promotional aspect of being an artist yeah I think you know if if you're an artist primarily as a songwriter often some of that other stuff that you have to do is what unglues you from your project for yeah. periods of time. Yeah, I agree massively with everything you just said. And I think we are in the same boat. Um, and I think I think the only thing that um, I definitely do enjoy, like, the photo shoots because I'm a massive poser and yeah. <laughs> the music videos. And, like, I, I love that kind of side of the artistry, expressing myself through 
fashion and dye my hair stupid colors and various things like that so I definitely enjoy that side of being an artist as it were but I think I just get to the point where I'm like if something happened big with the artist stuff awesome I'd jump on board of course I would but up until that point like I just like releasing music writing music that's true to me and releasing it I don't think I have big expectations necessarily and that that sounds quite bad (laughs) I I do it I do I do want it to do well of course I want it to do well but I know I have this like dedicated fan base who who just love whatever I put out and I'm so grateful for them and for that feeling that I know if I just put out something that's true to me and just a pop banger they will love it and they will support me. And I don't I don't think I care if that changes. No. So, I don't think I, I would mind if it stayed at this level for, forever. I think it, it's that. It's just it's artistry. I think holding expectations for your artist project is maybe a fool's game because there are so many variables you've got no. Yeah. You have limited control over what happens. I yeah. mean, you have control over what happens, but... Exactly, exactly. You know, and it, so I it, think... Go on. Yeah, it's... Creating those expectations for yourself, mm. lofty expectations, kind of allows you to get into this cycle of being uh, not not content with how your artist project is progressing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's what creates the frustration with then with the industry. You know, and you you've got to find your also find your way as a songwriter and be able to work as that as well. Yeah. 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 Inter- it's like a balance though, isn't it? Like to manage your expectations is a good thing. It's like a it's a good way to to almost like protect your mental health in a certain sense you know what I mean and I think as if you've been doing this kind of thing for a long time you understand now you understand that it's not necessarily about whether the music is even good or not anymore yeah unfortunately there's lots of boxes to be ticked and it's who you know and it's luck and it's it's everything else but it's a balance between managing expectations but also like keeping that ambition mm-hmm. and keeping that drive because I don't want to be like yeah I just put some music out mm-hmm. well probably nothing will happen but it's fine like I like the song I think like I don't yeah. I don't want to come across as like complacent because ambition for my music and for writing music for others is all I want and it's all I desire to do and thankfully no matter how frustrating the music industry can be for me I have already done far more than I ever thought yeah. I would. And I'm super mm. grateful for being able to do this full time. Like I wouldn't, that's it. Like I've achieved, if that's all I achieved, I'm happy. Like to I, be able I, to do this full time, you know? I also think that you get, to, you get to a point where you realize that there is, that the, that there is no winning at the thing. And yeah. that it's just various levels of, success that you can be happy with and that mean different things to you you know I know that I don't think I could I could sustain my uh, happiness and my personal life if I was touring for a year I just don't think I could do it I don't it's not for me and I don't think it's what I want to do and it's not why I why I make music yeah um and I think when you realize things like that, when you realize that, you know, your life can't be the servant to your career. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you really, really want it to, you know, unless that's, <laughs> what, unless that's what's really, really important to you. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, that's that's where you become unstuck. Yeah. Because you start sacrificing too much of yourself for something that very often is slightly out of your control. Yeah, and I think I think the more honest, uh, even like in my eyes, quite successful pop stars are being over the internet and through social media about this kind of journey is really interesting. I mean, Charlie XCX often, I mean, I flipping love her. She's one who is an artist and a writer at all times. Like she's both. Mm. 
and and I I follow everything she does, and I think she's an incredible writer and singer. And she's just dropped her new album, and I'm not plugging mm. it, but it's flipping sick. Um, but she often puts on social media about how like she gets really down about the fact that she doesn't feel like she get like doesn't she doesn't she feels like she doesn't get as much success as she should like from her music and everything and I'm sat there looking at her like but you're huge you get you yeah and you know you look at the stats and you're like but you're you're doing ridiculously well for yourself but she's there going for her she wants to be Ariana Grande level or Lady Gaga level do you know what I mean so well that's so even people who in our eyes have succeeded even them they're saying I wish there was more you know I wish I could well the the goal is never your goal that's what you end up finding out you know oh I want a hundred thousand streams then it's done then you're like oh I want a million and then it's done and then you're like oh I want a big sync placement oh I want to be played on BBC Radio 1 all those things happen and you realize that normal and then you have to get bigger yeah you're never can you you find yourself never content because you're not concentrating on you know for what reason am I doing this yeah what do I want to do this for rather than how can I constantly get bigger yeah you know yeah you know because being a being a massive pop star or being a really successful commercial artist isn't always the life that people wanted at the beginning but you end up you end up chasing your tail you know because yeah you find just you're not content with with what's happening and you're always comparing yourself to that's why friends your friends people you've written with people who you were on a level with you know yeah I mean comparison flipping it comparison is a bit of a killer I I yeah, I I do yeah. it every now and then still, but I for for a, like a long time ago taught myself to not compare because I mean I grew up um I grew up I sound so old when I say that kind of stuff shush um as old. in like when we start when I started music I was one of the ones that was doing all the YouTube covers like every week like mm-hmm. oh need covering mm-hmm. all that lot and I, I've racked up a fair few amount of views now whatever but there was like a group of us like six girls um all doing it and and a couple of them are like ridiculously famous now and like we all kind of started off at the same time messaging each other commenting on each other's videos the second we uploaded it and yeah yeah, I think it was around that time that I was just like you you just can't compare yourself to someone else your artistry will be completely different and it just does not bring about anything good apart from if you're if you're looking at other people to challenge yourself and yeah. to and to stretch yourself as an artist that's okay that's fine getting inspiration and getting yeah. influence from other artists that's fine but do not do not go there in your head and start comparing what you yeah, do I, to what other people do because it's just think, not good I think you have to keep an eye on what your what purpose you're challenging yourself for uh-huh yeah. You know, are you challenging yourself because you want to prove to everyone else that you can do the same numbers? You know, what's what is that? Or are you challenging yourself because you really want to explore what you can what you can actually do creatively? Yeah. You know? Those are two completely different things and they I think people often mu- get them muddled up. Yeah, it's so hard because because of how the industry is built though to not keep checking stats because it's so built on the numbers I was rewriting my bio again the other day and (laughs) I just wanted it to be like a nice little hi my name's Gaithit like just a nice little thing and the Robbie my other half was like you need to put some stats in there they don't know Mm -hmm. anything about and I was like yeah but it sounds so oh it's just so name droppy and like but you have to do it. It's the way the industry was built. You have to do it. Ugh. Well, I think when the when the numbers are public, you know, like when your stream stats are public, uh-huh. it's hard not to think of those as a reflection of the worth of your music. Again, you know? again, you have to have, you have to have like 
your self-worth and like knowing yeah. how good you are as an artist and knowing that you're bringing out music that you actually love and are proud of you need all of that regardless of whether it does well that you, yeah, exactly. that's it yeah. isn't it really yeah no, definitely totally. definitely and i think you have to you know you have to celebrate the wins a lot along the way mm. and i think you know like you said we both probably n- never thought we would be making music for as long as we've been making music or have had the level of not even commercial success but you know our what's the word our you know stability you know yeah. within within the industry to still be doing it yeah i think you have to look back and and think okay so there were a couple of sliding doors moments where maybe i could have made more of an opportunity yeah. Or, yeah, or done definitely. this or done that but actually definitely. i'm pretty content with where my life is and and how how it's panned out yeah absolutely absolutely i am for sure yeah that's a good long chat <laughs> Tell me a bit about um, the writing camps and BIM and stuff and how (laughs) you got involved in those and, and... and what those those mean to you as a as a songwriter? I started doing writing camps. I think my very first writing camp was probably about six years ago now in mm. um, Tal Yard in London, yeah, in King's Cross. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is very much like throw yourself in the deep end. But it, I mean, I flipping loved it. I I just thought it was brilliant. Like. I was staying with my sister on the other side of London, so I had to get up at like 5 a.m. or something stupid, try and get across London, have a quick coffee before the session started. But yeah, it was like five days in a row. You got put in a different room every day with different people, ranging from like three people to just one other person. And you wrote a new song every day. And it was just, it was just brilliant. We got free food, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Say free food to a musician, then there. Um, yeah. Give me a free lunch, and I'll oh, I'm there. I am. I'm there. Um, but yeah, honestly, it was. I absolutely loved it. It just it. You had to make friends very quickly, which I've I've loved to do all my life. You had to get to know people very quickly. Yeah. Um, you had to write very quickly, which again really challenged me as a writer, and I and I mm. loved I loved it. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, and then since then, I've done writing camps in in Sweden, in uh, Norway, uh, a few in London again. Um, I did one in Tallinn in Estonia. They've oh, got yeah, like Estonia, a, yeah. a a group of uh, pop fanatics down there for like Eurovision stuff, and that was really cool. I've so, been yeah. there. It's a weird place. I know it is a bit bizarre, but there's, yeah. I mean the people. Gosh. So yeah, I've done I've done writing camps like all over the world now, and I would recommend them to any writer who really wants to start getting good, like getting yeah. fast, getting quick, getting like again learning to read the room, like we've been talking about before, uh, getting more confident and voicing their opinions and voicing their ideas, yeah. all of that. Yeah, Frank yeah, so the best. So much of it is being able to communicate with the people who who you're with and Uh and get your ideas across but also feel comfortable being personal in a situation that that doesn't always feel comfortable yeah absolutely absolutely the first time you meet someone the idea of giving yourself over to the group like that immediately Mm. is 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 quite scary especially when you're young and and you're starting out you need to uh, it, like it takes practice definitely it does, definitely yeah. it takes practice mm. um do you remember any any particular 
any particular challenges that that industry-wise that you felt were were present and 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 you felt that there was a there was an obstacle and they were hard to overcome uh in the industry in general i've had a bit of a weird ride i guess of it (laughs) i think um i mean i was signed to universal publishing Mm -hmm. after i wrote this song called monsters that is now still even now still doing really really well in over in asia (laughs) six years after it's released it was on uh the, there's like a TV Chinese uh, talent competition called Singer 2020, and this guy performed it like a couple of months ago, and so now it's just gone crazy again. It's just so bizarre. Um, but yeah, after that song, I got assigned to Universal Publishing um, in New York. So at the time, I went to New York like three times in the space of like right. a month and a half to film the music video, to perform on Good Morning America. It was all a bit nuts. It's like what you think of when you think of like successful and they put you up in hotels and they pick you up in like a Hummer limo. It's just a bit ridiculous. Like when I think back to it, it was just stupid. And at the time I was still working in a bar. So I went Mm. back home and was like cleaning tables like two days after I'd been on Good Morning America, which is just hilarious. Um, So I think I think I've had a bit of a weird journey. I think after that time. Just like you said, there are opportunities that we wish maybe in hindsight we've made the most mm. of. And even though yeah. Monsters is doing really well now, um, I think back in the day I could have yeah. done a bit more, made a bit but who more. Knows, who knows at what cost? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you find yourself on the other side of the world for however many years you find yourself on the other side of the world for, yeah. not because necessarily because you want to be there, yeah, but because you feel like you have to be there. Who knows what yeah. cost that has has for you and for your life? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I ever, absolutely. I don't think you can ever. You can't carry those regrets forward. Because no, I'll you definitely make, not. Yeah, you make the decision that you feel is the right decision for you at the time, and and you can only work from work from there. You know. Yeah, absolutely. In te- but in terms of obstacles, like during that time, like yeah, like you say. I can only go on what I knew at the time and I didn't know much at the time I was really I was really little I'd never been to New York before and then they would yeah. just put me up in hotels and stuff so I was mm. more than naive I was very I just had no clue what was going on so it was in times like that that I would hope that I would you know lean on my label and lean on my managers and I don't think they did much Right. massively not to not to bad mouth them at all because honestly like I've stayed at both their houses so many times like I'm even now still really good friends with them both yeah. but I think they didn't quite know what to do with me at the time because I right. was their only pop act on their roster mm-hmm. so if we're talking about obstacles I would just say in my journey through the music industry thus far I would say the times that I've struggled with the most is like making big decisions so like whether to leave labels or not or leave management or not or whether to sign a contract or not I think those have been the biggest things because they're quite big scary things and unless you 100% know every word of that 45 page contract I think the music industry has taught me to be slightly less trusting and Mm -hmm. slightly thicker skinned if anything but in a good way like to know your worth to know to not settle, to know what's a good deal and what's not. Yeah. If, if we're talking about obstacles, I would say that. It's like it, when it's something to do with making big decisions or when it's something to do with me potentially hurting someone, like right. a manager or a labor representative yeah. that I've got to know over the last six years. It's it's yeah. stuff like that. I'm not very good at that. Yeah. What If, if, if you could go to um, Katie before she is in New York and she's doing Good Morning America and you could give her a piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> uh, I would say don't freak out when everyone yeah. expects you to run out of the tube, out of the underground, out of the metro, because everyone does it. Just don't freak out. Uh, I would say... Yeah, I would say, like, don't, don't doubt your 
talent and your ability mm. and your confidence to speak for yourself. Yeah. I think at the time, I was just following around the label guys because they were American and I'd never been to America before and just there were lots of different things, money and transport yeah. and I didn't have a yeah. phone that worked with the internet so I kept having to use theirs so I felt very much like I was just under their wing but if I could go back and say anything I'd say like just speak up for yourself you don't have to be nice to everyone mm -hmm. <laughs> don't don't feel bad about everything all the time or feel like you're in it in position yeah just speak up for yourself woman it's <laughs> <laughs> good advice good advice um <laughs> Are there any artists that you feel like people should keep an eye on? Oh, yeah. Who are your faves at the moment? I mean, they're already big though. So yeah, <laughs> um, right. Arlo Parks. I've been oh, Arlo Parks loving. Yeah, not my usual genre. Right. Like very, very, very chill kind of indie acoustic. However, songwriting wise, flipping sick. Yeah, very. Very mature songwriting. Very, very, very. Yeah. So I've been loving Arlo Parks at the moment. Um, obviously, like I said, Charlie XCX, flipping heck, <laughs> that new album is insane. She pushes the boundaries of pop and I love it. Um, and then, oh, Raleigh Ritchie. Do you know Raleigh Ritchie? Oh, uh, yeah. He you is know, also he from Bristol. He's in Game you know, of Thrones. Game yeah. Of Thrones. yeah, everyone yeah. knows. Every that's like yeah. his his main thing. Everyone knows him. Is great. Yeah. Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Grey Worm. He's Grey Tuck. Um, <laughs> from Grey Game Tuck. of Thrones. Yeah, but he's he is from Bristol. And um, yeah, I've been following him for years. Again, perfect production, perfect songwriting. Mm. He's just released a single called Aristocracy, and like, okay. honestly. Whoever can fit that word as a hook in a song is is some he's kind got, of songwriting he's some, god. He's got some very cool stuff. He cool. is just the best. So I would say Charlie XCX, Raleigh Ritchie, and Arlo Parks, just for an all-around okay. weird selection of people. <laughs> do you yeah. uh do you have a favorite venue? Oh, if it's a Bristol venue, I would say Louisiana. I've been playing okay. in there for years. Capacity like 130, but it's sticky and oh. it's beautiful and I love it. Um if we're talking about London, I mean there's the obvious, or there's the non-obvious. I don't even know if it's open anymore, but I've done a few gigs in um this place just off King's Cross called the Surya. No, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's rubbing close. People will be like Googling it. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> okay, it's flash quiz time. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm I'm gonna give you two options. You just go with your gut straight okay. away. Okay. Yeah. Gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Bristol or London? Bristol. Okay. Melody or lyrics? Melody. <laughs> pop. Oh. Pop or dance? Pop. Pop or R&B? Mm, R&B. <laughs> <laughs> LA or New York? New York. New York, yeah, I think so. Uh, Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. Mm. No one said <laughs> Apple Music yet. I wonder what that is. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, never. What is? Yeah. Um, writing or playing live? Writing. Writing. Um, raving or behaving? Raving. Love a good rave. Bristol drum bass, dubstep, whatever. I'm there. <laughs> you're massive, but you're ma you're a massive behaver now. I I behave well to people, but the act of raving itself denotes sick bass lines and music, so I have to say raving if we're okay. talking about a flat round. <laughs> Taylor or Kanye? Taylor. Oh. <laughs> Was that a surprise for you? Uh, second Taylor in a row. Previous Ooh. to that, there were no Taylors. Ah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, that's that that's it. That was the flash. Oh, that was the flash quiz. Very good. And I enjoyed. You it. got full marks. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Um, do you have anything to plug? Anything that uh, people should yeah. check out? <laughs> My new single cracks. Wait. When is this will be come out? This will be out Thursday. Wait, will so I be able day, to post day it? Day before. The day before. People okay. should keep an eye out. Okay, okay, okay. For those of you listening right now, my new single Cracks is coming out tomorrow, which was written by me and the wonderful X. So I mean it was. it was I mean, that's like double whammy right there. You gotta go check it out. <laughs> and for people who are listening after that date, go check it out. It's already on Spotify. Whoop. Amazing. You know, we both have singles coming out on Friday. Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. I'm going to like, I'll still post yours in my Insta story, though. Yeah, I'll still post yours. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but it is strictly a competition and there will be a winner. <laughs> what does the winner get? <laughs> what is the winner uh, getting? What does the winner get? The winner. The next time get... I'm in Shoreditch, if no, the I winner... win, you the gets... buy me. Yeah. Free lunch. The winner gets free lunch. Yeah. I'd like to raise the stakes to a free lunch and a pint. Okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Good. But at but at what point is is oh is the uh do you know what I mean? Yeah. What point are we are we um I don't know. Off? I don't no, know. No, let let's say four weeks. Okay, yeah, so for the first month. Yeah. Okay. First month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All that I'll, talk. I'll that. Pre- all that talk previous about it not being about winning in a competition. <laughs> yeah, and then we're like, let's get it's some stuff involved. Yeah. It's actually all about it. All about it. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Cool. Well, there you go. Everyone has two amazing songs to look forward to. Yes. The day after this podcast comes out. New music coming your way. Yahweh. <laughs> cool well thank you thanks for having me Lex massive privilege anytime a pleasure as always I'm quite surprised that you didn't do any of your voices no 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 (laughs) Uh, voices are off mic oh Uh, okay voices are for when I'm hungry or you know, like yeah, no. <laughs> you know, like weird moments. Not yeah. for not I for have, ser- not for serious podcasts. I have had the privilege to be privy to quite a lot of those voices. <laughs> good. They might good. as as I become more comfortable with this, they might emerge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you should show all facets <laughs> of your personality. Be true to yourself. That's the take home message. That's it. In the podcast. Ba da ba 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 ba. Be true to yourself. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>